praise God. Maryland's got him. Mom's got him. I got him too. Woo. Praise God. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles this, ple- uh, this morning, please, to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, my heart is still bubbling over with teaching and aspects and emphasis on the local church. And uh, praise God. And so we're, we're still on it. And we'll be until the Lord decides to instruct us different. And uh, praise God. I hope you've been getting something out of this series. If you're a visitor with us, a guest with us, this is going to be lesson number 13 on the local church. But uh, all of those teachings are free and available on our podcast, World Harvest Church of Paducah, uh, on your podcast channel, on our website, on our Facebook page. So uh, go back and get those and uh, download them if you like. And uh, praise God and be blessed by it. And uh, I, I failed to say very much uh, to our visitors this morning. I'm sorry about that. My name is Pastor Chris. We're so glad to have you here today. And uh, uh, I hope you feel welcome and just be comfortable. Get all that God has for you. Uh, thanks for coming out on a cold day like today. Uh, praise God. As we prepare to get into um, the word in Ephesians chapter 4 as a launching place, I wanted to reiterate. Uh, a prophecy that I went over on Wednesday evening. Did anybody get to, we had a live stream only teaching on Facebook and the Lord had me to rehearse to us a prophecy that I received from my pastor in a meeting in October, uh, October 30th, 2018. And it's, it's real short, but I wanted to rehearse it again. Uh, the Spirit of God spoke and said, we thank you for the grace. So the first thing that was mentioned is a grace. Now, grace is something unearned, unmerited. It's a gift from God because He's just good, right? But grace is also to be understood as a power from God, an ability from God. Amen. And uh, so part of what when He enables someone to do something they couldn't do apart from that grace, you know, you couldn't brush your teeth well without God's grace. I mean, praise God, I'm just telling you, your heart wouldn't beat... If God wasn't faithful, uh, He's the source and author and sustainer of our being and our life. And so He's talking here to me about an ability, a grace. Then the Word went on and said, We thank You for the next leg of the race, which is describing the part of the plan of God that I'm in, that the church is in. Then the Spirit of God said, What an important leg of the race it is. We need to think about that, uh, about you know our our. The plan of God for our church, amen, it's important. Amen, it's important. But then the Spirit of God described the leg of the race, but it's an accelerated leg. It's accelerated. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Increase. It's the plan of God. Increase. Grab hold of it. What would that mean to you? Increase. An acceleration. And then the Spirit of God gave five things that Pastor Nancy prophesied. Uh, was coming as a grace to me and I believe to our church because you're connected with me. Amen. We're in this thing together. He said there's coming an acceleration of revelation, an acceleration of the pace. That's the, uh, the pace. I looked up the definition. Pace means the rate of progress. The rate of progress. You know, you can uh, slow the rate of progress. You can stay, stay kind of where you are, or you can speed the pace of progress up. Well, God says the pace of progress 
in ministry in the church is accelerating. An acceleration of supply, I like that, an acceleration of utterance, an acceleration even further into right thoughts. Now that was humbling for me, but it became just very precious to me. Because I, I had to just honestly know again, this was spoken in public by, in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> you know, Pastor Nancy prophesied, the Spirit of God's going to accelerate your thinking. Right. He's going to bring you faster into right thoughts. You know what that, that kind of told, he kind of told off on me, right? That maybe I was being slow in thinking right. Or he just, maybe I was doing fine, getting my mind renewed, but he's going to speed me up. But I'm happy about that. I don't know about you. I, I could say just humbly and honestly, I don't think right. There are just areas of my life I just don't think right. Do you think right perfectly all the time? Just in perfect harmony with the Bible in every situation? You just think the, you think the God thought every time? Come on. All right, praise God. I'm going to have an altar call for liars. <laughs> no, but I'm believing for this. God, accelerate me accelerate me so that I can think right faster. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We can't live higher than our thinking. So if I can think right faster than I would have otherwise because of a grace that comes to me, bring it, Father. I receive it. How about you? Amen. The word accelerate means to hasten something or to hurry something along. Hallelujah. To hurry something along. It is God adding momentum or force. You know, one of the laws of, one of Newton's laws, right, is once an object is in motion, it will stay in motion until and unless it is acted upon by an outside force. You didn't know I knew physics, did you? Praise God, but I did. Amen. Hallelujah. I know that part at least. So in other words, the, there, there's, a, there's been a force, a momentum behind the plan of God developing and moving along for the church. For you, for me, for us as a body. But God said, the race you're in right now, this leg of the race, I am adding a force to increase the pace of my plan for the church and for your ministry. Well, we need to think right about this. We need to set ourselves, not just me, but as a congregation, to set ourselves in agreement with what the Spirit of God is endeavoring to do. There's not, not everybody's willing to go faster. Some, some people, they enjoy a snail's pace. But you know, I, God, time is short in the earth. Time is short. Do you, do you sense that, how, how time is short in the earth for this age? And so there's a work that must be done. And we have our part as a church, as a congregation. Amen. And so this leg of the race is God causing the development of the plan of God to be fed up, to be hurried along. Well, you and I, we need to respond. We need to respond and cooperate. Hook on with what the Spirit of God is doing. Let God give you more revelation faster. Amen. What is revelation? Revelation is a revealing of something that was previously unknown. So how about God hurrying you up? in your getting it. God, more quickly, at a faster pace, revealing hidden truths, aspects of the plan of God for your life. Amen. 
truths of God's word that you're trying to dig out. You're studying, you're meditating, but progress seems slow. And all of a sudden he just says, I'm going to speed that up for you. I'm going to pull the curtain back faster. I'm going to make you get it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, he also said that there is coming an acceleration of supply. You know, if God puts more on our plate, then we're going to need a greater supply. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today, that part of what it is to be in a local church, part of a local church, in a divine way, in a biblical way, is to understand that you have a part to play. That your job, your role in the congregation is not to sit. God has not called anyone to sit. Now in this dynamic where the congregation's being fed and being taught, I have a role, your, your role is to sit right there and receive. But there are, there's a lot of helps ministry that has gone on, is going on right now, will go on after. Hallelujah. And there are many, many aspects of the work of the ministry that take place here uh, on a regular basis. And so, you know, through in pastoring, you know, almost 20 years, November will be 24 years of being a senior pastor here. Uh, you know, you've had people come uh, over the course of time and say, well, God's called me, pastor, to sit for a season. Well, I'd like to, you know, if you ever think about coming to me for that, would you bring me some scripture for that? Bring me some scripture for sitting. What do they mean? What do people mean when I'm, I'm called to sit for a season? What they mean by that is I'm going to go onto the sidelines and I'm going to be inactive. Amen. Now, depending on what really is, there are situations where, you know, things are, are going on. I know that we have several families that uh, are, are, have taken on great responsibility caring for aged loved ones. And they can't be at the church five days a week. They can't be at church four days a week. Right. I, come on, we get that. God gets that. That's an honorable thing to do. But to ever just say, I have no part, no role. God's told me to sit on the sideline and have no help, no supply to the work of the ministry. I can't find that anywhere in the Word. Amen? In fact, the Spirit of God is emphasizing the exact opposite to our church. He is accelerating supply. Amen? Hallelujah. I haven't lost you already, have I? Okay, praise God. I even turned the heat up for you earlier, so... Amen. So let's let me get to Ephesians chapter four. You're already there. And uh, this whole chapter is wonderful. We don't have time uh, but to just highlight a few of the verses in Ephesians chapter four. But we do want to uh, say some things to you from this passage here in Ephesians chapter four, <clears throat> beginning in verse number seven. Paul, writing under the unction of the spirit, says this, but unto four or five. But unto 20% of the congregation, you know, that's what they say, leadership, business people, they say 20% of the people typically do 80% of the work. Well, that's not true here because we teach different. And uh, praise God. Uh, but uh, what, is the, what does the Word of God say? But unto, every, say it out loud, every one of us is given grace. Okay, now, what kind of grace is he talking about here? Is he talking about unmerited favor? Just, just unearned blessings from God? No, that doesn't fit the context. Let's keep reading. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of the anointed one and his anointing. Wherefore he saith, or says, when he ascended up on high, talking about when he was resurrected and taken to heaven to 
uh, take his place at the Father's right hand. He led captivity captive, and he gave what? He gave gifts unto men. Now, that word men is the Greek word anthropos. It does not mean males. It means human beings. Males and females. I don't know where the body of Christ got it in in their heads. Wrong teaching. Chauvinistic teaching. That Jesus only gave gifts to males. That's not true. When He arose, He gave gifts unto anthropos. Males and females. Amen? Now He that is sent... Well, skip down to verse 11 for time's sake. And He, Jesus, gave some... Some, not all, but some apostles. That's one of the gifts he gave. And some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So right there you have five ministry offices or gifts of ministry that Jesus said he gave to the church, to the body of Christ, when he ascended, when he rose. Amen. I have different focus, but if you read the next several verses, you would find out that Those gifts, all five of them, are in the body until we all come to the unity of the faith, under the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which that's not happened yet. Amen? Those gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, will be ministry gifts that are legitimate. Some will have them, not all, but some will have them in the earth until Jesus comes. Amen? A lot of people, they don't recognize the ministry of the prophet, but there is one. Now, there's a lot of false, but there's false pastors. There's false evangelists. Right? You know, the fact that there's a counterfeit is proof of the legit. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Amen. But here it says, this is, this is not, uh, these offices are not available to all the body of Christ. It says in that verse, Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some, not all, some. Some translations will say a few. There are a few apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But verse 7 says that He gave a grace, a gift of grace, of ability to every one of us. To every one of us. Hallelujah. Uh, Amen. We need to be mindful of that. And let's keep reading in verse number 12. So these gifts were given. Why were they given? Verse 12, for the perfecting, that word is the retrofitting or the equipping or the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. I'm going to pause for a moment here. Uh, You understand that the, the text of the Bible is inspired and perfect in its original language. When they translated it to English and other languages... That's not a perfect process. But something else that's very man-made, not God-inspired, are the chapters and the verse numbers and the punctuation. You may not have known that in the original text of the Scriptures, there is no punctuation. And so we can really be hurt in our understanding if we don't really study. Amen? And so one of the most unfortunate, damaging uh, commas in the Bible is right there in that verse. Right? So let's read it the way the King James rendered it and notice where they put the punctuation. That these five ministry gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, they are given for the perf- 
the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry. What does that imply to you? That the ministers do the work of the ministry and of the building up of the body of Christ. Everybody else is left out. But that comma's not supposed to be there. That's a bad placement of that comma. In the Greek, that's not, it doesn't have a comma there. You want to know how it really reads in the original? God gave these fivefold ministry offices of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the equipping of the saints that they might do the work of the ministry. And for the building up of the church, of the body of Christ. Now you're there. Now, now we see everyone, we see a call and an invitation for every member of the body of Christ to be involved in the work of the ministry. But there are denominations that don't get this. They think, well, we hired a pastor and he does the work of the ministry. That's why we hired the pastor. No, biblically, the pastor's there to feed the flock, have some oversight of the flock, give direction to the congregation to be a daddy to a family. But he's not supposed to do all the work of the... He is to be used of God as well as the other ministry gifts to equip the laity, to equip every member of the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. You know what that ought to tell you then? You're called to the work of the ministry. How many of you? Every single member of the body of Christ, if you're born again from that day, there is a grace on your life, there is a call on your life, to the ministry. How many of you, you probably get this. You probably get this, that for me, facing judgment one day, called to what most people call the ministry, right? That I, I'm facing a moment with Jesus where I'm going to give an account for my stewardship and how faithfully I carried out the call to ministry that's on my life. You guys probably get that, right? You're probably like, oh yeah, yeah, I get that, yeah. But do you know that you're facing that same day? I'm not exclusive in that. Every single one of you who are children of God are called to the ministry, and you and I will all give an account to Jesus for our stewardship, and did we bring our supply to the body? Not, Not just me. Not just apostles, not just Dr. Jacobs, not just Reverend Siegel, not just my wife, not just my family, but every single one of us. Somewhere here in my notes here, I have a couple of different renderings of that Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Let me look at it. Look at the New Living, or let me quote it to you. I don't know if they could pull it up. The Ephesians 4 in the New Living says, their responsibility, referring back to what we call the fivefold, is to equip God's people to do His work. So see, the New Living translators, they understood that's a bad comma. That comma's not supposed to be there. Did you get that? A pastor's, the the ministers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. God's words, uh, the God's Word translation is one of my favorites of this. Their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve. Hallelujah. So my call in the body of Christ is to equip and prepare you 
to serve God. But see, if you, if you as a church member have this mentality, and maybe it was taught from the pulpit or wherever you got it, that I come and receive. I come and spectate. But I don't really have an important part to bring in the overall work of the ministry. Listen, don't be condemned, but change your mind. Let the truth of God's Word I'm presenting to you affect your thinking. We're not all called to have a microphone. Everybody say, thank God, right? Amen. We're not all called to amplify. We're not all called to, uh, to preach or prophesy in front of the church. Amen. But we are all called to the ministry. I'm going to show you that. I don't have just this one verse. I wouldn't come to you with just one verse. Amen. So their purpose, God's Word says, is to prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. So you can see here, Rex back there, all of us, no matter what our ultimate call might be, there is a grace that came directly from Jesus, Ephesians 4, 7, to equip you to serve and to do your part to build up the body of Christ, or you could say the local church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me read to you uh, one more. Ephesians 4.12 in the NIV says that the purpose of the fivefold is to equip His people for works of service. Think about this. How high, how holy is serving the family of God? Evidently, you have to have a specially called and trained ministry called the fivefold to be equipped to really serve God. What a high thing in the mind of God. We won't turn there for time's sake, but in Acts chapter 6, do you remember that there arose during the church growth and in revival, there was an explosion of growth, they're having a revival, the church of Jerusalem, and there arose a murmuring or a complaint among the widows because they felt like they were being neglected in the daily uh, distribution of food provision among the church family. And uh, so the apostles rose up and said, well, it's not needful or profitable for us to leave our primary call and grace, which is the ministry of the Word and prayer, to go serve tables. But notice, he did, notice the thought was not, anybody can do that. He didn't say anybody can serve tables. Anybody can serve tables. Peter didn't stand up and say, I'm not doing that. I'm too good for that. Any, any of y'all can go, just find somebody to go do that, serve a hot dog. Anybody can do that. Do you know they went through this whole process? Peter stood up under the, and the Holy Ghost agreed with it. It's in the Bible. Amen. Seek ye out among you seven men who are of good report. They have to have good reputation. They have to be full of wisdom. Full of wisdom to serve tables. Full of wisdom. Full of the Holy Ghost that we might appoint over this business. And then... What they did, once they were identified among the congregation, the seven that came in that were nominated, the apostles brought them forward in front of everyone, commissioned them, charged them, laid hands on them, and anointed them. For what? To serve food to the congregation. What I'm trying to get over to you is how high? How high? How high? How holy? That they went through all of this, that there had to be... You, not everyone is good enough to serve tables to the family of God. Right. They have to have a good reputation. They have to be anointed. They have to be God-fears. They have to be full of God to serve the family of God. Hot dogs and chips. They have to be full of God to get this job. 
Oh, how we need to change our mind and change our thinking about our approach to serving God. Let's not be like those children of Israel under Malachi's day where they said, oh, what good is it to serve God? There's no profit in serving God. The New Testament, what made the New Testament church so powerful, so anointed? Well, they had such a high regard for the most, what are, what's called today, menial of, of tasks in the body of Christ. But you had to be, that was an exclusive thing. You had to be the best of the best Amen. to serve those widows' food. Amen. So what kind of mentality ought we have, hallelujah, about bringing our supply to the local church to see to it that we're doing our uh, you know, part from God to fulfill whatever task and assignment that God has given us. Now, God has been... I don't know, our father, he's just interesting to me. He just really is. Why he just emphasizes certain things. He's like been, last three services, drilling down, trying to get me to rehearse to you something he told me several years ago. I just hadn't got to it. But like, he's like, do it today, you know, okay. Well, several years ago, I think we'd moved into the building uh, by that time. But it's been several years ago, I was just fellowshipping with the Lord and minding my own business, you know. And God broke in on me and said, hey, you know, son, you've got two kinds of people in your church. And I'm like, really? No, I don't guess I knew that. Uh, what I, you know, for me, I'm a little smart alecky. I'm like, what, men and women? Males and females? You know, I, I don't know. I got, he said, I got two kinds of people in my church. And I said, okay. Well, and then he spoke on, and he helped me to know and to see the two kinds of people that I have in my church from God's point of view. And then he made me to see. I didn't have a vision, but he just made me to see all the people in the church. And in this, in this one group, of people, I only have two groups. So there's, there's this group over here. The first group he made me to see is that every aspect of their lives, if they were in this group, is on the upward trend. It's not a straight line forward. There are attacks. There are setbacks. But if you looked at this group, every area of their life, their spiritual life, the renewing of their mind, the quality of their family and their marriage, their careers, whatever they're called to, their finances, whatever they're called to spiritually, all of that, in general, was on the uptick. Every, how, would you want to be in that group? You want to be in that group. Everything is, is coming up. It's not perfect, but everything's on the upward trend. Then he made me to see the other group. It was the exact opposite. The other group, everything, oh, it's not a straight fall to the bottom, but everything in their life, every important area of their life is trending in the downward direction. Their health, their family relationships, their money, their anointing, everything was trending in the wrong direction. And then he made me to see the difference between the two groups. And before I tell you, I mean, I want to say this, God is not a hard taskmaster. We should not say, like they did in Malachi, it's too, in another place in Malachi, they said it's too hard to serve God. That's bohunkus. That's poppycosh. It's not too hard to serve God. It's not too hard to serve God. It's an honor to serve God. It's a privilege to serve God. David said he was the king. And his covenant with God is he will be the king in Jerusalem forever. Forever. And David's mentality was, it's an honor to be the doorkeeper in the house of God. 
That's what his mentality was. So in this moment I'm having with God those years ago, he made me to see that I had two groups of people. I described them to you, the two groups. And then he said, here's the difference between the two groups. The group that is everything's on the uptick, they do three things on a consistent basis. They attend, they tithe, and they help. Then he clarified the help. They have a job in the church. The other group, on a consistent basis, they are lacking. They either don't tithe, they don't attend, or they do attend and they do tithe, but they don't help. You have to have all three. And as in this moment where pictures are coming and circumstances, and I can, this is just part of the grace of being a pastor. He's going to help you know your congregation. He said, son, you only have two, two groups of people in your church. And he didn't say that just so that I would know. And he's been urging me along to remind you of this and to tell you this. God is not asking too much of us. He is not a hard... Think about how simple that is. What, what does God expect to have every... What would be the cost? How valuable is it? How much do you want every God to be able to elevate and bless, to take your life and blow it in the upward, positive, increased direction? Is it too hard to come to church regularly? Is that too hard? Come on, this is minimal stuff. This is minimal stuff. Number two, honor God. Support the church with your finances by tithing. That's, people think that's ultra spirit. That, that's elementary school stuff. And then help out. Help out. on a, Do something to contribute to the work of the ministry. See, to me, God's not hard. God's not a hard taskmaster. And I don't really care what's going on in your life. Amen. If you pray and you use your faith, amen, He will help you to be here regularly, as regularly as you can. You understand? I do understand jobs. I do understand. You, do, you understand that? Don't be in bondage. At the same time, I didn't put this mandate in the Bible, and I didn't put this mandate on you. It's the Spirit of God in the Bible that's reminding us of the minimum. Amen. To be present, to honor God, and to contribute to the sustaining of His house financially through tithing, and to do something to help. And in exchange for that level of obedience... God will cause every aspect of your life and family to move in the upward direction. I, I think we should embrace that anew. That we should embrace that afresh. There's a lot higher levels than that. Right? There are more, there are levels of responsibility. You know, and uh, if you're a key leader in this house or watching, that is not what I expect out of you. I expect a lot more out of the leaders and the team leaders and the department heads. Right? Paid staff? Come on now. We're setting the pace. We're setting the example. Cody family? You're sitting at the top. We should be setting the pace as pastors. Amen. Uh, of service. Go over. Y'all doing okay? 
Okay, praise God. Uh, go over with me to 1 Corinthians. I'm, I know what time it is. We're doing great. It's nice and cozy warm in here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's look at something here. I want to prove to you that the fivefold ministers of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher, are not the only ministers. There are, in the body of Christ, as I understand it, there are six God-ordained, anointed offices of ministry in the body of Christ. Six. And every single Christian is called to, one of the, to stand in an anointed way in one of those offices of ministry. Five are the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. What about this sixth office? Well, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Look at verse 18. But now, who? Did the pastor do this to us? No. God has, did he invite? Did he beckon? Or did he set? He set. Now God has set the members, 20% of them. No, everyone. Do you see that phrase again? Every one of them in the body as it is pleased that member. Should we expect to serve in the local church in the area that pleases us? Now, we want you to be pleased. We do. We want, and God wants you to be pleased. But it's our job to get pleased with what He has decided would please Him. <laughs> Isn't that right? This didn't say that God took a survey. Right? There's no democracy in here. You leave that democracy thinking to your American life. When you come into church, it's not a democracy. It's a theocracy. And there's one king. And, and again, what am I talking about? The plan of God for the church is accelerating. We need to get ourselves skillful and in agreement with the plan of God. And for God to take this church where He wants to take it, we all have to do our part. We all have to take our place. We all have to bring our supply. Amen. And it ought to be a joy. And we ought to have this heart to go to God and say, God, where would it please you for me to serve? I remember sitting in a 1,500-member church, and I was newly attending that church. And I couldn't be around my pastor without shaking. Not under the anointing, not in fear, but out of reverence of how God was using that man to change my life right then. I just stood in awe. And I'm so grateful. And he had a youth camp called Youth America. And to open the youth camp the next week, because of the, they were going to have up of, upwards of a thousand kids and leaders on the campus. They needed security 24 hours a day for the camp. They had every spot filled except the 2 a.m. to about 5 a.m. security spot. I wonder why that spot was the hard one to fill. Now, normally in my, in my normal work week, I lived 45, 50 minutes away from the church. 
okay, in a city commute, all right? And, uh, and then I had to be at work in the city in my suit at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. God bless them. I'm glad they're there, but I will never work for them again. That's just me. But that's where I worked, and I had to be downtown at the Enterprise location by about 7, 7.30 a.m. And so I'm sitting there, and my pastor is crying because he can't get anybody to... Well, it didn't please my mind, and it didn't please my flesh. But it pleased the Holy Ghost. And it pleased my spirit. And I raised my hand. I said, Pastor, I'll take that spot. And I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying this is where I started. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be a senior pastor here today. And my, my, ministry, the, my, my ministry for years was turning screwdrivers, putting chairs in place, putting chairs back, stacking tables, moving tables around. Vacuuming floors and cleaning toilets. Dirty ones. Yeah, you get 800 youth in 20 dorms. I'll let your mind go wherever you want to go, but it was worse than whatever you're thinking. Amen. And I was happy to do it. Not my flesh wasn't always pleased, but in here, it pleased God. See, God has set every member in the body. How? as it has pleased Him. It is our job to find out, be interested to find out, where has He set me in the church? Amen. Dr. DeFrain always said this, if you don't know what you're really anointed for, just go to the pastor, whoever's in charge, and ask them what the greatest need is. Just start with your natural ability, and be faithful, and you'll end up in where you're anointed to be. And I have found that to be true. Amen. So we read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has set everyone in the members uh, in the body strategically as it has pleased Him. Now skip down to verse 28. I'm going to read verse 27 too. Now you are the body of Christ. In my Bible I wrote church. Right? And that's what that means. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God, here's that language again. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, this sounds familiar, right? Thirdly, teachers, after that miracles, that's in the gifts of healings, that's a reference to the evangelistic office. Then notice what the next word is. Everyone say that out loud. Helps. The word governments in the Greek is the word directorship, not dictatorship, directorship, and that's a reference to the pastor's office. Diversities of tongues. So in this list of ministry offices, here Paul lists an office of ministry that he did not talk about in Ephesians 4. So there are apostles, there are prophets, there are evangelists, there are pastors, there are teachers, and there is helps. There is helps. Those are the six, and there are only six that I can find. Offices of ministry. You know, some people would say, well, I'm called to the uh, ministry of intercession. There is no such thing. Not in the Bible. There's no ministry of intercession. Do you know this? A lot of people think this way, that there's, there's the ministry of praise and worship. There is no such animal in the Bible. You can't find that in the Bible. But it's a ministry, isn't it? Weren't you ministered to? Aren't you ministered to on a regular basis? Well, it is ministry, 
But there's no label, there's no office of ministry singled out in the New Testament called the office of intercessor. And people walk around in churches and they say, well, I'm an intercessor. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Prayer's not a call. No one in here is especially anointed to pray. Prayer is something you give yourself to. Because you know you should. We're all called to supplicate. We're all called to intercede. We're all called to groan in the Spirit. We're all called to be used of God in prayer. See, we need to be biblical. I appreciate that about Brother Hagin. He helped us be biblical. Brother Hagin said, when you get biblical, that's when you're going to get results. When your marriage gets biblical, that's when you're going to have results. When your finances get biblical, that's where you're going to have results. When your church gets biblical, that's when you're going to have a real church, a real ministry. So uh, what does people that pray, people that administrate, people that lead, people that sing? It's evident. Come on, there's an anointing. I don't know what that lady is I saw on Facebook. She comes up on my feed. I don't know if it was Carrie Underwood or what. And she was singing this song, some, some gospel song. And her skirt was too short and, and, and all of that. But regardless, she stood on that stage in front of all those Hollywood people and she sang, how, how great thou art. And you just want to weep and cry. There's such an anointing on her to sing. So it, there is a legitimate ministry. What office do we call it? What office of ministry would it fit under? Helps. It's the helps ministry. So Miss Arlene is our prayer director. That sure helps. Come on. Aren't you glad you're being prayed over? That sure helps. So how do we understand? See, I have to study. I'm called to pastor. What does that mean? I have to study my craft. I have to study that office. I have to study the equipment and the anointing and, and the, the protocols of what a good pastor looks like. And I, I, it's my job to become that. It's my job to be that. This is what you need to think about. If you're not called, and the vast majority of the body of Christ are not called to the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher office, then what ministry are you called to then? You're called to the helps ministry. You need to think like me then. You need to think like me in this. What, what, what's a good helps minister? What, what, what goes with that? What, what anointing goes with that? What, what specifically am I called to do to help? Am I being faithful with that? It's my job to become a good minister in the office I'm called to. Everyone out here, unless you're like Reverend Conwell, Miss Chelsea, who are actively functioning in a ministry, five-fold ministry office, then every one of us else, we're, we're functioning in the, in the office. Paul's a good example. Now, Paul's called to be a senior pastor. If he's faithful and follows the Spirit, he'll be that one day. Right? But he's, not, he's called to it. But he's not functioning in that office today. Right. What office of ministry does he occupy now? Helps. Helps. Do you know the only way he's going to get graduated into that higher office? Is being faithful Amen. in the office he's in now. Amen. How are you and I going to advance in the different phases and levels of calling that we have? Be faithful. Be faithful. Amen? Uh, okay, I, I'm just thinking about closing here. I said I'm thinking about it. 
Go with me to Matthew 10. How many kinds of people do we have in the church? Two. What separates the two groups? The direction separates the two groups. And what determines, Miss Kim, the direction? The three things. The three things. Are we attending? Are we tithing? See, that's bringing a supply. And are we helping? See, that's bringing a supply. Amen? Hallelujah. And only you can know. See, I'm not the pastor I was when I, was, when I started 28 years. I've developed in that call. I think, I hope, I know I have. And so, you know, I, I can't, God expects more of me 20 years in than a pastor who's two years in. And it's not like I can go, I, I got to go sit. What if I told that to God? Now, God's all about vacation and rest. Even Jesus told his disciples, come aside for a rest. But that was like, you know, short. <laughs> right? And then it's back at it, back to work. Back to work, back to work. In mentoring, I made this statement, it's from the Bible. Paul said uh, to those he was ministering to, he said, I am very gladly to spend and be spent for you. He viewed his earthly life as an offering to the body of Christ. How much of the call of God on Paul's life was about him, for him? Muy piquito. Now, in one sense, my, my son honorably challenged me about that later. And he said, well, Dad, really it's all about him in the sense, look at his reward today. And I said, son, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. In that sense, think about you know, how much of the call of God on Jesus' earthly life and ministry was about him. He said, I didn't come to, serve, to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. But what Rex is saying is, look at him now. Because he was obedient even unto death, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's been richly repaid and rewarded. Come on. Amen? But I think that in the body of Christ, we could do better in viewing our earthly life. Are you glad to be spent? You get back from the church, and you know, man, I just am spent. Good for you. Are you glad about being spent for the work of the ministry? What would be more honorable, what would be more valuable in the eyes of eternity to spend your life on? Most people, they, they spend their life on hobbies, they spend their life on recreation, they spend their life on things that when you get into the eye of judgment day, they will all be burned up. All of that will be burned up. All the boating, all the recreation, all the golfing, all the knitting, all, the, all that. Have fun to a degree, but there's no reward for that. But for those who gave their earthly life as a gift to the body of Christ and to a lost and dying world, they're going to be richly rewarded. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am glad. And Paul went on and said, and you know, the more I seem to love you, the less I am loved. Isn't that funny how that works? It's like the more I give of myself to you as a church, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about what Paul said to the Corinthians, the less, the less I'm loved. Actually, he said that to the Thessalonians, I think. All right, Matthew 10. Oh, y'all are kind of quiet on me today. 
Hallelujah. You know, but I understand it's kind of meaty, right? And you're, it's hard to say amen when you're chewing. <laughs> Look at verse 40, Matthew 10, 40. He that receives you receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Now look at verse 42. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his what? His reward. His reward. Come on, we need to get a revelation of the honor and the value and the highness of serving the youngest in our fellowship. If we thought like Jesus thought, we'd have a line waiting for people to get an opportunity to serve children a cup of cool water while they come to church and learn about Jesus. The reason we don't is we're not thinking high enough. Remember the deacon thing? Remember how, how high it was to serve tables? Here Jesus is saying, you give a cup of cool water to one of these, one of these little ones of mine, heaven's going to make a a record of that. You're never going to lose your reward for doing that. Hallelujah. You're in Matthew. Matthew, go to to Matthew 25. I know there's several scriptures here, but I, I, I want you to get a biblical framework of the Bible view of bringing your supply to the local church. Y'all all right? Say amen. It'll be good for you. Amen. amen. All right. Praise God. We're almost done. Matthew 25, verse 23. Uh, people say, Pastor, what are you living for? I had somebody ask me this not long ago. What's your mission saying? What are you living for? I said, Matthew 25, 23. I'm not living for money. I'm not living for earthly possessions. And you know what? As I've done that, God has blessed me with money. And earthly, God, God pays His servants well. He, he rewards His servants so well. Look at verse 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done. Good, circle the word good, if you've got something to write with. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now, if you've read the parable, you mean down here on earth, right? I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Come into heaven. Somebody ask Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris, what you living for? I'm living to hear Jesus say to me, well done. I don't want him to say to me, well, you done? But notice to hear the master say, a lot of people, you go to funerals, and people say stuff they should not say. They say stuff they should not say. They say stuff like this person, lay in here, their body, they're hearing the master say, well done. Why? Because they died? They're only going to hear the master say, well done, if what? They had to be two things. They had to be good. Good at what? Good at serving. Some people serve, but they're not real good at it. They don't take instruction very well. They're not team players. They won't submit to authority. You know, for our church to go really where God wants to take us, we're going to have to practice uh, 
functioning under delegated authority. Because some people in the church, I'm not naming names, some people in the church, they'll submit to me, but they won't be submissive to a team leader because they don't like how that team leader does stuff. We're not going to be able to become a 750, 1,500-member, 2,000-member church if, we, if the only, only people that will be submissive is to the senior, senior, senior pastor. That's just not going to work. Jesus said, He that receives you receives me. He that receives me receives him that sent me. So see, God works through delegated authority. We need to practice, practice getting in agreement with whoever's over us. But see, maybe you should think about it. I'm going to think about it. I want to be a good servant. In other words, that means I need to be skillful. I need to be producing fruit. I need to be, you know, I need to be good at it. And then I need to be faithful to it. Hallelujah. So that's kind of a bonus of why I brought you to Matthew 25. Or, yeah, look at the end of the chapter. And uh, I think we'll almost be done here. So. In uh, verse uh, 31, Jesus said, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all of His holy angels are with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him, in other words, in front of Him, shall be gathered all nations. And He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So here's the big crowd of humanity. And on the day of His glory, He's going to separate true sheep from the goats. No, nobody's hidden, nobody's tricking the Father. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, the sheep, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now notice this. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and came to you? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the what? Unto one of the least... Of these, my brethren. That's the church. My brethren. You have done it unto me. So see, here's the work of the ministry. We're all called to it. Somebody out there who's a, who's a child of God in our fellowship is sick. When you call them, when you pray for them, when you visit them. And don't just leave it up to me. You're doing the work of the ministry. And Jesus is going to go... She did that to me. When you say, hey, Pastor Chris, you know, I'd be open to uh, going to visit the prisoners. You got anything in your heart about the prisoners? I do. It's just I can't do it all. I'm not going to try to do it all. But I'd help someone. I'd help someone maybe get some books in there for them free of charge. Get basic training into the prisons. How about that? There's no, there's no barrier. You just need to step forward. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor, this says that we should, we should, we should, there's a lot of hungry people out there. Yeah, what do you want to do about that? I had someone come to me about that once. I think our church is neglecting the poor. You give all this money, your spiritual father, you don't do anything for the poor. 
That's what she said. I said, well, sounds like you've got something on your heart to do with the poor. Why? I'm happy. You want to do food bank? You want to do that? I'm happy to do it. Oh, no, that's not my anointing. That's what she said. They both started backing up. I said, I said it sounds like you have the poor on your heart. Would you, would you step up and lead an outreach for our church like that? Oh, no, I'm too busy. I can't do that. I have a job. So she's quick to attack me over what she perceives I'm not doing. But when invited to do something that evidently she stirred up about, she's too busy for that. But all of these things are the work of the ministry. To clothe people who need clothing, to visit those who need to be visited, to give cups of cool water to kids. We need ushers. We need greeters. We need graphics people. We need security people. Come on, we need prayer people. We need praise people. We need, we need people. Amen. And one day, this day's coming, right? Where the king's going to sit on his throne. And he's going to say, you did this to me. You did this to me. He took it personal. Hallelujah. You know, we, we, gave, that, uh, we gave that gift to the sheriff's department. And uh, I don't know, we just had it on our heart to do it. We did it. And you all did it. We all did it. And we're still kind of enjoying the, the, the fruit out of that. I think it was Melissa that texted us and said that she was at Walmart with her World Harvest jacket on. And one of the deputies walked up and said, do you remember that church? And, she, and he expressed to her how blessed they were, how much it spoke to them. Hallelujah. That doesn't make us great, but I, it just, doesn't it just warm your heart? To know that there's 44 deputies that serve our county and their families, that evidently they were just over the moon, ministered to, because we as a church ministered to them. That doesn't make us great. It just means we're doing the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Let's stand up on our feet today. I'm excited about the work of the ministry. And do you know, uh, the, uh, there's just so much more I could say about this, but the work of the ministry does not just mean coming and sweeping floors. Amen. But there's, there's moves of God. There's, there's gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. But God is calling us all to acts of service. Amen. In the church, outside the church, in His name. Amen. Father, we bow before